the branch from Jesse. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash round his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. Well, hello. Good evening. Sorry, just taking a moment to get myself sorted up here. Uh, Bear with me, and um, hope you've had at least one or two pleasant things over the Christmas. Some people find Christmas a great time, some people find Christmas a difficult time, don't they? And um, it's very good to be together uh, this side of New Year. Uh, So if you don't know me, my name's Chris, and um, we're going to be looking at that passage a bit more together. So um, let's pray for God to help us as we do that. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, um, most of all for Jesus Christ. He is our hope. And we pray that we would hope in him tonight afresh. We would not despair, but we put our hope in him. So help us to hear from you tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I don't know if you've seen um, the film called Cocoon. Anyone seen that? Not the one, there's one two years ago, now two years ago, but one in 1985. I was born, I didn't watch it when I was... Um, Cocoon, the film, anyone seen that? I think it's a great film, family film, actually. I don't think it was on over Christmas. Um, it's about aliens, and I quite like films about aliens. Anyway, um, it's about aliens who... Um, well, uh, it ends up that there's a group of elderly people in a retirement home where aliens took up residence you know, thousands of years before that. And essentially, these aliens um, live as human beings in this retirement home. It's quite a cool story. And uh, this group of elderly people don't get old. They just stay as old as they were when they went to that home. And that's really what the story is. And um, it's a great film. I do recommend it. There's one particular moment in this, and it sounds ridiculous. As I'm saying it, it sounds ridiculous. It is ridiculous. 
but it's a good film. But there's one moment in the story, in the film, where uh, someone says to one of these people, who looks like an elderly person, but is actually an alien inside, he says, can you just show me a bit of what you're like, really? Can you give me a glimpse of really what you're like, what's inside? And the person just goes to the bottom eyelid and just peels it down a touch. And this just ray of light just comes uh, shining out of this guy's eye. Just a blinding light, glorious blinding light. Just a little bit, just a little, just give us a glimpse of who you are, what's beneath um, the exterior. And Isaiah 11 is a, a little bit like that for taking a glimpse at Jesus, who he is, God's Messiah. And we're reading it just after Christmas because um, it's a Christmas passage in a sense. It is about, in, from the book of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus came, it is about the Messiah, the promised one, the figure promised to God's people Israel that would come, and Jesus is that Messiah. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. So this tells us a bit more about what the Messiah is like. It gives us that, that, that glimpse of his glory. And, you know, the beginning of this year, and I don't, I don't know how we're feeling about the year ahead. A mixture of feelings, I'm sure. But we start at the beginning of this year, much as we start any day as a Christian, to put our hope again in Jesus. That's what we're called to do. And in one sense, it's not more complicated than that at all. To put our hope on him again, afresh. And, um, you know, you could summarize the Christian faith as, and actually, uh, three words. You could summarize Christian faith as, Jesus Christ is Lord. If you want to boil it down to four words, Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, which means that Jesus, the man 2,000 years ago of history, that real man, he is Jesus Christ, who is the Messiah, the anointed one promised from God of old in the Old Testament, promised to come and suffer and atone, pay for the sins of his people. Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is now ruling, and he's in charge over everything, and he's a good ruler, and he'll bring his kingdom, and he has brought his kingdom. We can live in light of his kingdom. He's, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the summary of the Christian faith to remember every morning. And we see more of that as we see Jesus tonight, I hope, in this passage. Um, I really, I, I cannot do justice to this passage in any way, shape, or form. It is extraordinary. And I think as I've been preparing this, um, uh, I just felt the weight of that, actually. I'll be honest with you. In one, in one sense, tonight could be a bit more of a reflection than a sermon. But let's together do the work of feasting on Jesus, getting that glimpse of him to give us hope for the new year. And really, if you're going to forget everything else, just think, don't despair. Put your hope in this glorious Jesus. Don't despair. Put your hope in this glorious Jesus. Uh, So I'm going to read it through, just in a few sections, really. And we'll see something of the glory of Jesus. So um, if you want to read along, you might find that really helpful. And um, there are some Bibles in the benches 
in front of you. So do feel free to do that. Um, Isaiah chapter 11. I have a different edition. Can someone shout out a page number? 697. 697 of the Church Bibles. Thank you. Isaiah chapter 11. So this prophecy of the Messiah to come, who is Jesus. So from verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. So from the family line of Jesse in the Old Testament, that is where the Messiah is going to come from. And I do want to just pick, pick out something from verse 10 as well. You get this image of uh, a stump of Jesse and a, and a shoot is going to come from it, and that's going to be Jesus, okay? But if you do look ahead to verse 10, it says, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner of the peoples. And that's actually a little bit confusing in one sense. So this Messiah is going to be uh, the fruit of this root, if you think of kind of the garden metaphor. It's also going to be the root of it. And in one sense, that's, that's a bit kind of, does that work? Is it the, you know, the, the, the fruit of it, but also the root of it? It's both things. That is to show us, that is possible because Jesus, the Messiah, is the, be- the beginning and the end. He is at the beginning of God's purposes to redeem his world. And he is um, the outworking of it. Jesus is the beginning of the, and the end. Jesus, you could say, he is the unique God-man that we could never be. It's because he is God and man that he is the hope of the world. And there's no one like him. So verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So God's Spirit will rest on this Messiah in a way that there is no one else like this person. He is the unique God-man, full of total wisdom and understanding and counsel and might, all in perfect harmony, delighting in the fear of the Lord. We don't delight to do that, not naturally. So if you're tempted to despair at this point, looking back or looking ahead, we avoid despairing by taking our eyes off ourselves and looking at Jesus. This is him. This is the description of Jesus the man to come, the Messiah. There is no one like him. You can't compare him with anyone. Anyone at all. He is utterly glorious. God's spirit is fully in him. He fully lives God's spirit. A beautiful ruler with wisdom and counsel and minds. You can't, and maybe just to help us with this, to try and just, see the magnitude of this, to picture, if you will, the baby Jesus, born in a manger, vulnerable little child. This is that same person. Picture that little baby Jesus and take in what we read of him here. This is the unique God-man. We could never be this man. And we move on, we move on. 
We move on to read, carry on reading from verse 3. Who is this Messiah, this Jesus? He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Or in summary, you could say, Jesus, this Messiah, will bring ultimate wisdom and justice that we could never bring. Ultimate wisdom and justice. That is what he will bring. That's the promise. Essentially, do you notice that he doesn't judge by what he sees with his eyes? And yet he doesn't judge by appearances. That's what we do the whole time. We, do, we make snap decisions the whole time, don't we? We're so quick to judge. And even when we consider things well, we very limited view. We can't see in people's hearts. It, this Messiah will see perfectly. And therefore he can judge, actually he can make right judgments utterly perfectly. Because he is the God-man himself. He sees into the human heart. He can rule in a way that's totally fair and right and just. Including bringing destruction to the wicked. Bringing destruction to evil. And that is, there's a goodness in that. You bring ultimate wisdom and justice. We can never bring that. And so maybe if, maybe at the beginning of this year, maybe our despair is thinking of injustice. Will things ever be put right? Will ever, th- ever, things ever be ironed out so that there's complete equality? Well, this passage is telling us that yes, that will happen, but Jesus Jesus' kingdom is the place where that happens. The fulfillment of Jesus' kingdom when it comes fully. And that is, that is the place to put our hope. In Jesus, this Messiah, we cannot create total justice in our world. We, it's good to respond to Jesus by working, uh, by reflecting that in some way, whatever way we can to bring justice and fairness. But we can't actually bring total justice that's Jesus' work. So we put our hope in Jesus, in this Jesus, who judges righteously. And as we continue to reflect, we, uh, let's move on to verse from verse 6. What a Messiah we're seeing here. Let me read from verse 6. This wonderful promise of the kingdom that this Messiah will bring. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. 
You see in these verses here, wonderfully, that Jesus, the Messiah, will be the universal resting place that we could never earn. But a resting place that is a total new order of creation. Not just a new try at creation, not just a new go or even a new power, but a new order of creation. You see, animals that would now you know, devour and be devoured, they're now living in perfect harmony. Creation is made new because all the earth knows the Lord. That is the kingdom that Jesus will usher in fully and finally when he remakes the world. And it's a resting place for us human beings. Wherever we're from, whatever our Christian background, not Christian background, do you see that? Uh, he's resting, um, all the nation, the nations will rally to him. So it's not just for the people of Israel, it's for any, any who would come to Christ as their Lord and Savior to in, accept his sacrifice on their behalf at the cross, which was the, the culmination of his life and ministry, then being followed by this resurrection as Lord and King. So Jesus is our universal resting place for all of us, for any of us. And we could never earn that. And maybe if we're despairing, maybe, maybe we're despairing at the beginning of this year, thinking, where am I going? What, where is the world going? Well, here we see, this is where the world is going. Jesus is going to remake it. And we do our best to live in these days, and we... Um, we trust in God for that. We want to honor Jesus in how we go about our lives and point people to him and um, doing good works and um, doing good to people around us. It's only Jesus who can remake the world, and he'll do that. And that is our ultimate hope. That is our resting place. Maybe we can picture the baby Jesus again in the manger that vulnerable infant. This is the same being. This is him, the Messiah. Uh, how can we summarize this? Um, I found this quite helpful just in, in summarizing something of this. Let me read this. This is from a guy called uh, Ray Ortland, a pastor in the States. He says this. This is the true magnitude of the biblical gospel, the good news of Jesus. There will be uh, nothing old, Nothing dilapidated, impure, or worn out in the radiant kingdom of Christ. We will encounter nothing that has a sad memory associated with it. Everything we experience, every new association and memory, will exponentially keep on increasing, increasing, purify, and intensify our joy forever, since it all comes from the hand of God. How can this happen? Through the one seated on the throne, that's Jesus who will make all things wonderfully new, who will put an end to war, who will defeat Satan, who will bring justice to the nations, who will repair the damage and wreckage from all our sins. He will, our King, who reigns even now from his throne of grace, to whom be glory forever. I find that helpful. Jesus is going to make all things new. It's not even worth comparing to our world today, our life today, in a sense. 
He is our hope. He is our hope. And what difference would that make for us today as we enter the new year? Oh boy, it makes all the difference. Um, I was um, received from Open Doors, the charity, um, which supports persecuted Christians around the world. Uh, very, very good uh, Christian organization. And, uh, they, they sent a story of this lady called Bay. It's not her real name, but she's in exile in North Korea. Um, does this Jesus make a difference to her? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me read some of this about her life and then a letter she wrote. So every morning in the village, she's forced to live in. So she's in a camp as a Christian in North Korea. Every morning in the village, she's forced to live in. Bay spends the day working in the fields. She has to meet her work quota of crops. If she has any time for a short break, she heads for the woods. The mushrooms and plants she forages help stem the, the gaping hunger in her belly. Otherwise, she only gets to eat meager rations. Like everyone else in her village, Bay is close to starving. The authorities give them just enough to stay alive. It's partly a punishment and partly a reflection of the terrible food shortage in North Korea. If you saw all this, you'd be appalled. But you have no idea. This isn't Bay's real work. That starts at night. When she and her housemates cover the windows with blankets, light a small candle, and sit in a tight circle, Bay gets out a book. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, she reads from the Bible. This is Bay's real work. This is the North Korean secret underground church. Bay hasn't always lived in this village. She and her husband were sent there when the authorities discovered they owned the Bible. Simply for that, they were sentenced to a lifetime of hardship and back-breaking labor in this remote village, always on the brink of starvation. A despairing situation. Utterly despairing. But here's a letter that she wrote to express her thanks for people uh, supporting her through open doors as it happens. This is a letter, a translation of her letter in Korean. Dear friends, we are well and peaceful with the Father's grace and your concern. We we give thanks to the Father who is doing almighty works. I am so overwhelmed to write you this letter. We receive the greatest love and concern which cannot be returned back. We live firmly in the suffering march, as always. Whenever I open my eyes in the morning, I feel the presence of our Father. Right now we can only receive materials from you, but we expect the day to come when we can return those back to God. We who receive his amazing grace keenly realize and understand his words. The man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father. The thing I give thanks for most is that Father God uses me to work as his servant. I desire to dedicate my life until death to glorify him. Please send our gratitudes. That's written from inside a labor camp in North Korea. What a letter of hope. Utter hope. And that is the work of Jesus. That is Jesus' work. That Jesus, this Messiah, no one else could change someone's heart like that to be able to live through that with hope and purpose. And I wonder what it is for you that as you see something of a glimpse of Jesus, this Messiah, in this wonderful passage, which we can't do justice to, as you glimpse him, just that little bit more, the beginning of this year, what about you? 
Can we bow down to him? Can we rally to him as the nations will fully one day? And will we stay close to him? Glimpse him daily. Glory in the wonder of who he is. He is our hope. Don't despair. We have a wonderful Messiah and Saviour. So let's pray together and ask for God's help again. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus that you promised him to us and you have shown us the wonder of who he is, his glory. Someone like us in humanity, yet so unlike us, the perfect God-man, and that his kingdom is utterly perfect, a perfect new order of things, creation remade. Thank you that you have punched that hole between heaven and earth. You have brought that hope to us, and one day it will be fully realized, Father. And in the meantime, we can live with hope, live with hope, glad for Jesus, expressing that gladness to the people around us, working for the honor of Jesus out of the strength of that hope, Father. And however we're feeling at the moment, help us to glimpse him more gloriously now and in the week ahead, in the year ahead. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.